Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 27th day of March 2015. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, How It Works. We are on page 64, and we will be reviewing, revisiting the last paragraph on page 64. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Lois M., 12 Traditions, Bev F., and our text readers are Kathleen W., Anita J., and Deanna B. And the share code for yesterday, Thursday, the 26th day of March, is 7424. 7424. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Lois M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Monica. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Lois M., recovered in Massachusetts, and the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admitted that we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lois M. And I will now ask Bev F. 
to read the 12 traditions, please. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Bavas from Canada, and here are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Bev F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book. On page 64, the third paragraph, we will be revisiting, which begins with, Resentment is the number one offender. And I will ask Kathleen W. to read for us, please. Star one to unmute your phone, Kathleen. Can you hear me? I sure can. Okay, sorry. I was, I was reading. Resentment is the... Oh, this is Kathleen W. Recovered from Arizona. Resentment is the number one offender. It, it destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stems all forms of spiritual disease. For we have have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. 
When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. We asked ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. We were sore. We were burned up. Um, I have done probably four um, inventories over the years, and the last one I did about a year and a half ago. And um, I did... I didn't have as many resentments, but the ones that I had, they all they all involved fear. And I was just, my resentments were just riddled with fear. And um, it, it just occurred to me recently, because God gives me intuitive thought periodically, which I just love, because that um, shows me that I'm connected to my higher power. And it just, it God revealed to me that my fear... I was so fearful as a child, and um, you know, I no longer have, to, I no longer feel like a victim, because you know I've worked through that. Um, because you know I've worked it, it through the big book, and I practice, I worked the steps. But it occurred, God revealed to me that my fear was uh, stemmed from childhood, and it carried through into my adulthood, and because I was just fearful of everything, and then. Um, because I've studied the big book and have done the steps, um, I I realized that um, you know my all my fears. God has revealed to me that all my fears are fancied and not real, just like the big book teaches us. And um, the opposite of fear is faith. So I've just really. I'm really focusing on my relationship with my higher power and trusting and relying on Him, and um, you know, studying the Big Book and working the steps and doing my ten steps um, because I really I had to learn how to do life. I didn't I didn't have the tools, and um, I'm just so grateful for the Big Book because it teaches us instructions how to live, and it's just such a gift. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Kathleen W. And who would like to comment on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. This is Rachel Todd. This is Melissa C. I heard somebody, somebody W. Rachel W. Rachel. Melissa C. And I heard Melissa. Okay, Rachel W., Melissa C. Okay, Rachel, you're up, and then Melissa. Thank you so much. I'm driving. I hope I'm coming in clearly. It's okay. Okay, great. Good morning. Thank you so much for this this, um, meeting and for your service. And um, what I just say about resentment um, is the number one offender. I I was pretty amazed at how this wreaked havoc within my life and... um, that it, that I found that it was the fear that was the source of the resentment, and that I've been using that my whole life, you know, as a as a coping mechanism to just you know um, deal with with things. And that now, you know, through doing these steps, I don't have to live like that anymore. And I had to make you know this um, to ask God to remove this this um, you know this thing that I do. And 
I, I heard it on the line, I heard it in this meeting, or I, or I heard it in a, in a live meeting, I'm not sure where, but someone said that um, if you want to know who your higher power is, um, observe who you turn to when you're in fear. And, um, you know, is it to the food? Is it to, um, you know, an escape? And um, thank God for today I can say that, you know, through this fellowship and program that I I don't, I know that I don't have to do that anymore, and I don't do that anymore, and um, I'm, I'm really grateful. I'm not, you know, perfect at it, but I, I do live there, and it's such a, a different way of living, and um, it's a process. So thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel W. Melissa C., you're up. Good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And, um, you know, my resentments, um, I realized, were sucking all the power, what little power I I had. It was um, sucking it all up. You know, I was reliving um, things over and over again, things that had, you know, was I justified? Was I right in, in having had these feelings towards these people, places, and things? Perhaps. But that was, you know, when you're resenting it, it means that it happened already. And so, um, you know, maybe my initial response would have been upsetness or, you know, anger. But the fact that I was still carrying crap for 10, 15, 20 years was was really the problem here, was that um, I was experiencing it over and over again every time then I revisited my resentments. I was reliving things um, and keeping myself, you know, sicker and sicker. And, um, you know, I can't, I can't hold on to anger towards anyone or anything. Um, you know, I'm learning because I was so good at denial that when things were actually happening, I didn't address them. I didn't handle things. And so it wasn't until... I guess maybe that was, you know, that was the safe way to do things at one time. I couldn't do it in the situation so that later I couldn't feel the anger. And, um, you know, I'm just glad to have that awareness today. I don't have to live in resentment. I have um, those things block me from the sunlight of the spirit. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And who else would like to comment on this paragraph? Devora, Janice, Larry. Okay, Devora, Janice, and Larry. Devora, you're up, and then Janice. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Monica. This is Devora in New Jersey, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. So I sort of chuckle when I read this because um, resentment is the number one offender. I mean, when I came into program many years ago, um, I went to a workshop. Um, there were two recovered AA men who came, and they spoke to they spoke to us in OA, and they spoke how important it is to go get through the steps and do an inventory. And um, he said everybody has resentments, and I remember going over to him, this one man, after at, during the break, and I said to him, you know, honestly, I don't have any resentments. I really don't. I love everybody, and you know, I have no resentments. <laughs> And he laughed and he said, think about that again. And it took me a very long time, um, actually many years, till I got to the big book and studied it and went through it with a sponsor that 
I saw that I was a, um, I certainly had a lot of resentments, but, you know, when I was eating, I was pushing it down with the food, you know, putting them away and not dealing with it. And then being abstinent and being in OA, and um, what was I doing? I was restless, irritable, and discontented. That's how I dealt with my, with my resentments. I was barking at everybody and wondering why aren't everybody doing what I want them to do. And it's only when I, you know, started working through the steps with a, a recovered sponsor that I saw, wow, what I had. I had tons of resentments, and I didn't know what to do with them. So so grateful today to be able to channel you know, whatever comes up on a daily basis to do a 10th step and to a review at night and an 11th step and to be able to, you know, do something with my resentments and not live in them. And I am so grateful. That it's such a miracle for me that um, that I have this option today, that this big book tells me how to live on a daily basis and that I choose to follow it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Devorah. And Janice, you're up, and then it'll be Larry. Well, good morning to you, Monica, and everyone. My name is Janice, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, the number one offender. Why? I, I just love the way he says they, they write this, because number one is number one. It's not food. They're not talking about food. You know, food is a big problem. It was a big problem for me, yes. But 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 more than that, what is going to kill me is the resentment. Yeah, the food will, but the resentments will kill me before the food. And you know what's an what's an offender? An offender is an enemy. It does harm to me. <laughs> That's why I mean it's, it's unbelievable how they say number one offender is the resentment that I harbored, that I held that I blamed for all my life. What what was wrong with me was your fault. Okay, so I was a, you know, we, we just got through uh, step three again, and it's a bondage. I want, uh, you know, I ask God to relieve me of the bondage of self. And guess what the bondage is here? The number one offender, resentment. That was my slave. That was my master, the resentments. I had, I gave them so much power the people, the institutions, or whatever it was on my list. I gave them the power, so I was a slave to them. That was my master. You know, and it's funny because, you know, I know today um, that I have a choice. I can keep those resentments if if they're doing me any good, you know, because I don't want to let them go because then I won't be a victim, or I can let them go by following this book. It says, Make a list. A list is a list. It's not a biography. It's not an autobiography. It's just a list. Boom, boom, boom. One, two, three, four, five. And, you know, and this is the, the be, behind this resentment comes all my flaws. It says it's the spiritual malady. I used to say, well, I'm spiritual. No, the spiritual malady, which they talk about that second part, that ism, the ism. That, that I had, which I call the internal spiritual malady, ISM. That was inside of me, the greed that I had, the lust that I had, the gluttony. <laughs> is that funny? Gluttony. And, uh, you know, the anger. This is the spiritual malady that I have to be aware of. 
to get rid of so that I won't go into resentment. It's about me. And uh, very, very powerful um, starting this fourth step to see exactly that it wasn't my father and it wasn't my mother's fault. They did the best they could. You know, I can accept that they had an illness, that they were spiritually sick as I am spiritually sick. See, and when I see that and can understand that and accept that, the resentments are gone. It's unbelievable. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. And Larry, you're up. Thanks, Monica, for your service. Larry, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, you know, this 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 um, this resentment thing. You know, it destroys it destroys us more than anything else. And I missed that. I missed the. I tell you what, I missed was the how it led to relational disconnection. And you know, that was a subplot of resentment that you know that I missed that it can be displaced onto others that were not involved in the original offense. See, when I was abused as a child by a stepfather, for example, um, uh, what do you mean, uh, you know, what was my role in it? (laughs) See, I didn't get it. I didn't understand. And that's okay. Thank God I later understood that, you know, what happens is that resentment can be displaced onto others not involved in the original offense. So, for example, you know, when, you know, a father withdraws love from, you know, his son, then in, in his resentment, the son may withdraw love from his sister. The sister, you know, might take out her resentment on other girls in school. Oh, see, then when these young people grow up, they might pass the resentment to their partners and to their children, who then pass it along to their children. So you see the, the, the potential for the domino effect of disconnection. See, this, this was the point that Gandhi was making when he stated that if we keep taking an eye for an eye, then eventually the whole world will be without sight. You know, because this happens because love has been withdrawn from people who, do, who don't take the time to restore that love within their own hearts. And they, in turn, withdraw love from others, which leads to this relational disconnection. See, I, I missed that. And, I, I, and thank God I have a better understanding that this was so much more than just a little resentment. Sometimes it was the major resentments. And it had to be restored. And I couldn't restore it myself. I couldn't remove the resentment, God saw through this process, through the steps, God saw that the resentment was uh, was lifted from me. It's quite extraordinary. Thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. And this is Monica T., and I would like to comment on this paragraph. Resentment is the number one offender. So what is resentment? Well, R-E in Latin means to do again. And sentiment comes from centauri, which means to refeel. So a resentment is to refeel, to replay, to relive something, whether it was yesterday or 40 years ago. And it says here that from this stem all forms of spiritual disease. And then it goes on to say, and when this is is 
the promise here, when this spiritual malady is overcome, when these resentments are overcome, we will straighten out mentally and physically. And then this paragraph is given us explicit directions here on how to get started in writing our fourth step inventory. It says we are going to put these resentments on paper. So how do we start this inventory? We list people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. Well, my answer to that was, I'm not an angry person, but I was given a list of words, which made all the difference in how I, this, this list grew and grew. And here are some of the words that I was given instead of using the word anger, because I'm not an angry person, but hurt, irritated, insulted, offended, pissed off, annoyed, exasperated, displeased. Oh, yeah, 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 that, that uh, sore made it easier to, to make, come up with this list of resentments that I had and to start listing them like column one on page 65 for my uh, beginning of my, re- my inventory. And resentments, you know, resentments I've heard over and over again from pe- other people, I love this, resentments is me taking a poison pill and expecting it to kill you. You know, these resentments that I have held, that I replayed, relived, all these years are killing me. Now, I'm not condoning what the other person did. Maybe what they did was totally wrong. But my part might have been carrying on, playing the victim for years. You know, I got something out of that. So anyway, this is going to help us get peace by doing this inventory, by working through these steps, it works. And with that, I'll pass. And who would like to comment on this paragraph? Leah, Du, and Charles. Okay, Rakefit, Leah, Du, and Charles. Rakefit, you're up, and then Leah. What about Thank Kathy? You. Oh. Kathy, you're on the end. I did not hear you. Thank you. Rakefit. Thank you, Monica. Um, I'm Rakefit, recovered compulsive overeater in California. And when I came into program, I never really thought about my resentments much. I just knew that I resented people. I was angry at people. I tried not to show it. I I thought it in my head. My I had that inner voice that was always putting that other person down. Even though I, if, even if I wasn't doing it to their face, I was trying to retaliate for some harm that I thought that they did me. That was my constant thoughts and, and uh, feelings. They were toxic. They were really, really toxic. They, were t- they, they would take over my body. I would feel that negative energy in my body. I was hurting myself much more than I was hurting that other person. And when I was taught that, somebody explained that to me. I go, yeah. That makes so much sense. I don't want to feel the way I do. I don't want to feel like I'm toxic. I'm seizing in toxicity. I'm just seething in it. And that is a really, really uncomfortable feeling. And I hated that inner voice. It was a mean inner voice. I was saying all kinds of things about that person that I resented. And those are not godly things that it was, said, it was talking about. You know, when I'm full of toxic thoughts and feelings, that is not godly. And that's that's not that's not the way God wants me to be. That's not the way God wants me to live. So when I'm able, when I start feeling that way again, when I start feeling that 
to my to my physical body even that there's negative energy that something is really bothering me and I start even hearing that second voice once in a while now still I know I know it's time to clean it out and I do a 10 step I do my 11 step review at night and I'll clean those resentments out I'll just verbalize them to somebody you know or I'll write them and I'll verbalize them but I want to get them out of my body because my body cannot cannot hold them. It affects every aspect of my life when I res- I'm resentful. I can't I can't have any enjoyment. I can't have any pleasure. I can't have any peace or calm when my whole you know inner guts are all in turmoil because of this resentment that I'm that I'm feeling towards someone else. And thank God we have ways that we don't have to live that way. We can have a calm and peaceful life no matter what happens to us, no matter what anyone does to us. And that is just a total gift, something I learned in this program, and it is really, really precious. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Rakafet. And Leah, you're up, and then it'll be due. Thanks so much, Monica. Hi, everybody. It's Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. We asked ourselves why we were angry. We were burned up. You know, my first go-round in OA when I crawled in in 82, um, I could not, much like other people have uh, spoken about, you know, really get in touch uh, with what was going on. I wasn't angry. You know, I was the person that was smiling all the time. Well, you know, when the disease had beaten me a little further and five more years in, in 1987 when these Uh, directions were given to me. Again, that was my first reaction. You know, I'm not angry. (laughs) I'm not burned up, you know, Uh, you know, smiling uh, while saying that. However, you know, the instruction that was given to me is it's not simply just anger, Leah. Something you resent is Whatever is rolling around in your mind, what you're thinking about all the time, what's living in your head rent-free, the what-ifs and the if-onlys, what if this happened instead of that, and what if that had happened instead of this, and if only I had said this instead of that. Essentially, the past hadn't gone my way. And I, you know, although perhaps there had been uh, situations uh you know, a variety of situations that had occurred, what I was doing was replaying it in my mind a second time and a third time and and refraining from living life because of that. And, you know, the four-step inventory when it was given to me and said, you know, you don't have to write your whole life story in excruciating detail. We're looking at <laughs> what are you, uh, you know, replaying in your mind? And the fourth step, this first action step, allowed me to see the real truth for the first time. I began to see the kind of personality that I had developed through my years of living a life run on self-will, run riot, run on, gosh, I wish things had been different. And this process, beginning with the fourth step, allowed this plumbing, the depths of my disturbances and my impediments to a relationship with a power that was out there that I could never have access to. And, you know, I was the 
biggest obstacle to a better life. You know, and the program of recovery, beginning with step four, allowed this penetrating of my unconscious to get a glimpse of how I was thinking. What was I believing? What were my attitudes? Because in, in that, in those resentments, that was the lens to the way I was seeing the world, and that was giving me justification to eat. And I refused and neglected all those years to look at my own role in this creation of a monster. And so the program of recovery began to, you know, step by step, uh, pull this apart. So I got to examine and analyze uh, my behavior, my attitudes, the way I was looking at life. And you know what? That was the beginning of a ticket to freedom. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. And do you're up, and then it'll be Charles. Good morning, Miss Do. Um, thank you so much, Monica, for your service. This is Do Recover Compulsive Overeater, and I'm going to take that first part of the sentence. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. And when I look at this resentment, I, I have to already this chapter on how it works is is teaching me why I have this resentment. Underneath it all is the selfishness, the self-centeredness, um, you know, the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm too busy blaming other people. I'm the common denominator in all my problems. Uh, when people step on my toes and I retaliate, you know, or others retaliate towards me, I am the common problem because it says so our troubles we think of our own, uh, basically of our own making, even though... Uh, the alcoholic is, is, is an extreme example of self-willed and right, though he usually doesn't think so. And that's, that's what replayed in my mind, that I was the victim and everybody else was to blame. And then it says it destroys more alcoholics than anything else. And one of the things that I learned in this is that this disease comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It comes to steal my peace of mind. It comes to steal my joy. It comes to steal my tranquility. It destroys my relationships with others, with myself, with God, with higher power. It also wants to kill me. It wants to kill me physically. It wants to kill me spiritually. It wants to kill me emotionally, you know. And so, you know, here I was in the dilemma. You know, how, how can I not be an alcoholic? How can I not be a compulsive overeater? I know it's telling me that I shouldn't be these things, but how do I do it? How do I not be these things? How do I not keep picking up my binge foods? And, and the amazing thing about this program, it, it gives you step-by-step step on how to do this, how to get connected to a higher power, how to get rid of the, the, the selfishness, the self-centeredness, because behind these, these things like resentment and fear and pride is all, everything underneath is the self. So how do I get rid of or arrest that self and be more God-centered? Well, I'm glad that the program gives us um, the beginning of, of the writing assignment. You know, and, and it's, it's here, we're not going to be talking about it. We're going to be writing. And so um, it gives me the beginning of the four columns. Uh, that I'm going to be doing this inventory. And it's, it's going to be a process for an ongoing lifetime. <laughs> so <clears throat> the first three columns are pointed out here. The first column is 
I'm resentful at. What am I resentful at? People, institutions, principles, and whom we were angry at. The second column is the cause. We ask ourselves why we were angry. And then the third column is how does it affect my instincts? Um, you know, well, it affects my self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our relationships, including sex. We were hurt and threatened so. And so we were sore and we were so burnt up. So <clears throat> automatically here is already laying out the foundation of the how-to, how to get rid of these things that block Time. me knowing with God. And so um, with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Do. Charles, you're up, and then it'll be Kathy. Thank you, Monica. Can you hear me clearly? Yep. While you're uh, sounding a little distant. All right, hold on. I'm on this elliptical trying to get triple money, reading the text, sharing, and getting my money physically. Uh, you can hear me better? It's okay. Go ahead. Can you hear me better? Yep, that's better. Okay. Hi. Uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Charles H., a recovered visionary just today. Uh, so we were sore. We were burned up. The big book says burned up. In Jamaica, we say burn up. But it's the same thing. So, you know what? Uh, I got something called a resentment wave. By faith, by, he- by ahead of time, let, let, let's wave goodbye to them resentment. Check this out. If you want to be free, forgive everybody that ever hurt you ahead of time. Right now. Right now in this moment. Right now. And you will be liberated. You're talking about flying. You're talking about the Wright Brothers. You're talking about airplanes. The big book, I believe, is chapter 2 or chapter 3 says, we got tight at the, at the wrong moment all the time. When I was binging, I got tight at the wrong moment. So here's clear-cut directions. You know, other sharers definitely specified them. You know, so my resentment wave, I know I'm going to resent somebody today, but by faith, I forgive them ahead of time. They're too heavy, man. You, resentment is a strange type of anger. It's like it's like something in my brain punching my skull every 10 seconds. You ever had a pulse, a, a, a headache pulse? Every 10 seconds, boom, boom. It's not like a, it's a strange anger, man. It's an anger mixed with fear. It's an anger mixed with bitterness. It's a strange type of anger that us compulsive overeaters cannot afford. Well, let me diagnose myself. Charles H., you cannot afford to be angry at anybody because, it, you know, what? it just robs me of things that I want to get done. It robs me of things that I want to do for other people. You know, I took stock. I searched out my flaws. I was a mean, egotistical guy before a vision for you big book. Not a vision for you, but for the big book. Because, like, what other people say, I could be like, yo, what a great meeting. There's 300 people here. But everybody ain't recovered. You know, because everybody not going to want to. I talked to somebody. I talked to a few people. People don't want to forgive people. That's one of the hardest things to get done. But if you've got that entire psychic change, right, that's, that DNA is your DNA is different. You know, I'm not saying be foolish and let people walk on you, but I'm saying give them a pass. Because by giving them a pass, you are liberating yourself. By giving them a pass, your, 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 your vision is a little unblocked. You know, these are the things that 
block me from my higher power. The God of my overstanding would love me to, you know, I was confused when I first did this uh, fourth step. I had seven columns. And the seventh column said, what would God want you to do? And I always put, God would want me to forgive them. Because when I'm forgiving them, I'm freeing myself. See, the enemy don't want me to know. The enemy is between my, my ears. It does not want me to know that the, the key to freedom is forgiveness. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for allowing me to have a voice. Thank you, Charles. And Kathy, you're up. Hi, this is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. Um, I just wanted to reflect as I was listening to everybody's shares um, an aspect of the process of doing this work of resentment turnarounds that um, is a miracle, nothing less than a miracle. Like many others said, I didn't think I had any resentments when I got to this step, but I had been stuffing them with food for all, most of my life. And as I started writing, um, my list got very long, and I was filled with resentment really badly, which motivated me because my sponsor said, do the work and you will be free. Um, and so I wrote and wrote and wrote, and by uh, saying the third step prayer every day and finally giving away my fourth step in the fifth step, uh, a miracle happened, and I was free of all the resentment. I, I, it was a very dramatic shift. It was a psychic change. And uh, I've gone on from there to the point where I rarely experience resentment now. Um, at the first sign of irritation, anger, all the different words that Monica used, um, any of those feelings, I am there asking myself, how am I being selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and afraid? And uh, so I'm addressing it right there to the point where it never builds. Uh, this is an, an amazing set of tools we develop as we go through this step. Um, I, I'm just amazed, and the same thing can be said of the fear part of the inventory and the sex conduct part of the inventory as well. So for those who are just starting on this work, um, it can be very difficult at first, and as you're writing, uh, I know for many of my sponsees, it's a roller coaster of feelings and um but that's why we need to push through it, because on the other side, there's a new freedom. Um, and I've certainly experienced this, and I continue to experience it as I live in 10, 11, and 12. And for that, I'm very grateful, and I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Kathy Kay. And with that, let's move on to the next paragraph. And Anita J., would you read for us, please? Hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, wonderful. All right. This is Anita J. Recovered. What a lovely word. Compulsive overeater living in Massachusetts. Thank you, Monica, for uh, leading us every Friday and for all on the line. 
On our grudge list, we set opposite each name our injuries. Was it our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, our personal or sex relations, which had been interfered with? And so you see those names and you look below and you see, you see them there. And I just want to say, I, as I did this work, I remembered once in a while when it was feeling uncomfortable to do this work because I wasn't getting a very pretty picture, uh, not of those awful people, but of, of me. And of course, the word awful, forget that. You know, if you do the work right, nobody's awful. We're all just equal. But the more specific I got, the more um, free I became. And, you know, I was told to think it through. You don't need to write what is it in the self-esteem unless you want to. But think it all the way through as you list each per if you put down how it affected you and you know it was like self-esteem i just assumed that came from what you thought of me you 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 and you even if i didn't like you even if i'm not impressed with you i don't care you had to think well of me my security well that's pretty precarious when it has to do with everybody else's thinking about me. And the word me, it really does get tiring. Uh, The first time I ever went through this process, I was told to put away in the beginning of the book, truths that will set you free. And the thing is, I found that if this is really done sincerely and honestly, You're not having to hide anything now. This is between you and your God and somebody that you're going to share it with. It's not the guy on the corner you're going to say, come here and listen to this. You're you're trying to get rid of this driven compulsion your whole life. You know, the first memory was me as a little kid going back and forth to the bread box and making it tunnel through the Italian bread. This is deep. And so the better and more honest I get here, it drives the rest of the 12 steps. By the time I got to the amend piece, I was chomping at the bit because I saw through this section, through my honesty in these sections, what I needed to do for that person that's held that power over me. And they didn't even know it. Isn't that a riot? And so um, if we come this far, let's not forget why we're doing it. We're sick and suffering compulsive overeaters, trying to become free and to be who God really meant us to be. And you know what? He had wonderful plans. I'm I'm kind of loving him now. I'm not kind of. I was just trying to act a little humble here. I'm just a grateful human being. With that, I pass. Thank you, Anita J. And would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Kim, Sally. I'd like Kim, Sally. This is Bella. Can I share? Bella, I heard. Okay. I heard somebody between um, Sally and Bella. Vasa. I think. I don't know. 
Okay. All right. We're going to Kim, Sally, Vasa, and Bella, and we'll we'll start with that and see how we do time-wise. Kim, you're up. Thanks, Monica. It was Jane, Monica, the one name you couldn't hear. Um, Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And I'm just going to talk about that word, word list. You know, what is a list? You know, when we, what I thought the fourth step was, was a diary. It was an essay. It was a thesis. It was this, all this writing. And we're being told over and over again, it's just a list. So it's, we're writing down from top to bottom. We're asked to list those things that we're resentful at. We're asked to list the cause. We're asked to list what it affects. And what happened with me is I over-emotionalized. It wasn't fact-finding and fact-facing because I was emotionalizing and writing these long essays about why I was so upset. So what the fourth step did for me when I did it in that format, which is not the format recommended, is I would reinforce my resentment. I would reinforce my fears. I would reinforce my sex conduct. So let's think of something else that we commonly make a list about. I commonly make a, a grocery list every single week when I go grocery shopping. Now, can you imagine if I took this list and I asked somebody to go shopping, and what I did is I put down milk because I need to have my oatmeal every single morning, and it has to be this amount. Chicken, because I'm going to use it in this recipe, and I need it, and I'm going to prepare it this way. You know, turkey, because I don't like ham, so therefore I need you to buy me turkey because if I, you buy me ham, I'm not going to eat it. I mean, it's, it's all extraneous. What I need when I go to that grocery store is simply a list of things I need to purchase. What we're doing here is we're simply writing a list of those things that are blocking us from God in order for us to get rid of them promptly without regret. And I know one of the things that blocked me is I complicated it because I didn't write a list. I wrote an essay. I wrote an autobiography. I wrote a diary. And what that did was it got me deeper and deeper, and which is why every time I went into the fourth step, I would go back into the food and back into the food and back into the food. This is simply a list. We get through it. We give it over in step five. We identify our character defects in six and seven. We make amends in eight and nine. And then, and then we get the freedom from those nine-step promises. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And Sally, you're up. And then it'll be Vasa. Star one to unmute, Sally. Okay. I'm sorry. I was just chatting away here. Good morning, Monica. Good morning. A vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater. I wanted to um, speak to these words. Was it our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, our personal or sex relations, which had been interfered with? And, you know, it wasn't until more recently that I came to understand what is really being given to us here. And it's, it's really clarified in the 12 and 12 in the Step 4 writings. Um, it talks at length about this list of um, what we are looking at when we say, what does it affect in me? And what they're talking about is our social instincts, our security instincts, and our sexual instincts, the three S's. And these instincts drive us. They dominate us. And they come from, um, at large, they are coming from our, our, they drive our fears. Because these are the built-in instincts that we have. And these social instincts 
Um, the social instincts include our herd instinct, our desire, our need, our absolute need for companionship and our self-knowledge, our personal relationships. This, this is the social instincts. And they become warped and we become power driven and we become controlling and we become egomaniacs and pompous. And then we have our security instincts. Then we have, there's two aspects to the security instincts, the outer world material, the, the instincts for shelter, clothing, and food. And then the internal world, the emotional drive for safety and survival instincts. And then finally, we have our sex instincts to procreate is one and the other is our our desires, the acceptable and the hidden sexual desires that, that also have an aspect of becoming worked that are, um, you know, our demand for too much sex. Um, and each of these instincts, the social instincts, the security instincts, and the sex instincts, each of them have an aspect that we become warped in them and warped in our instincts. So when they ask us on this third column, what does it affect? They're asking what is it that has driven us? What is driving us? Is it our social instincts, our security instincts, or is it our sex instincts that have driven us thus far? And I, do, I wanted to draw that to your attention and encourage you to go and, and see in the 12 and 12, step four, what it says here about your, your instincts that are driving you. Thanks for letting me share that with that I pass. Thank you, Sally. And Vasa, you're up, and then it'll be Bella, and we're getting short on time. Thank you. Thank you, Monica, for your service, and good morning, everybody. I'm Vasa, all grateful, recovered, compulsive leader calling from Florida. And, uh, yeah, follow directions. That's what I heard, the way the book is laid out, Vasa, just follow directions, because I had no directions in my life. I was messing up everything, so... And I remember my sponsor said, just write the people's names that you're resentful to and the causes and the effects. And uh, I didn't have as many resentments. I was fear-driven, you know. The fear stuck, you know, I was so stuck in the fears, I couldn't go beyond that. So, yes, I had, you know, uh, I had hundreds and hundreds of fears. But I did have some resentments, and I knew I was conscious of having resentments and fears. I just did not know what to do about it, you know. And uh, I, the biggest resentment was the father and then the mother going back into my childhood, you know. And, uh, and it's, you know, and I kept on hearing the program. It's like mixing a poison to give it to somebody else, and then we drink it. Uh, people were sick just like me, you know. They did what they didn't know what they were doing, you know. And it is a generational thing, you know. Looking back, you know, my parents did stuff that their parents did, and I needed to break that pattern, that those behaviors. And thank you, God, that you know, God led me into twelve steps, and uh, He's restoring me. He was restoring me. With, uh, and healing me from the resentments, the fears, the anxieties, and all that I was going, as I was going along. But it, it affected everything, my resentments. You know, it affected the sex relationship, uh, self-esteem, uh, security, uh, finances, personal relationship, self-esteem, pride. I didn't know any of this stuff, you know. And I had to be 
you know, I had to be real. I needed to be explained, and I needed to be needed direction in this area, and but not to just not to ignore it. Just go and do it, Vasa, and God is there to guide you. And there's people in front of you that have gone that have done the process. They're going to help you, and it's amazing. It's the best thing I had ever done in my whole life, you know. I mean, I know we are not on step eight and nine, you know, making amends and all that, but God was healing me already by doing the the um, the process because I, was I wasn't being judged. I was not being criticized. I was being supported while I was going through the process. And people would share their own insecurities, their own characteristics. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. And I'm so sorry, Bella. We are over time now this morning, and we've come to the end of the time for our meeting here. And I want to thank everyone who has shared. And we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Deanna B., could you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you. Thank you, Monica for your service. My name is Deanna B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be, be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you tread the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, 